Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from 1 Timothy, the second chapter, where Paul writes, First of all, then, I urge that supplication, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Pray for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may be led a that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Dear friends of Christ, I belong, I'm a citizen of two kingdoms, and, and so are you. You see, I became a citizen of one kingdom when I was born at St. Luke's Hospital in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, July 14, 1960. And I became a citizen of the United States of America. And because I was baptized as an infant, a few days later, God gave me faith to believe, and I became a citizen of the kingdom of God. I became a citizen of, of Christ. And in, in a very real way, I'm a citizen in two kingdoms, a kingdom here on earth, and a kingdom in heaven. And so we have dual citizenship, and we need to realize that, uh, the importance of living in both, the, our citizenship on earth and the responsibilities we have in living our lives out in this earth and being light to a dark world, to our government, to our community, and then that citizenship that we belong to heaven and to God's kingdom. However, the, the kingdom on earth is going to perish. God's kingdom in heaven never does. But this earthly kingdom only is temporary. Martin Luther called these two kingdoms the kingdom of the right and the kingdom of the left. The kingdom of the right hand of God and the kingdom of the left hand of God. And the kingdom of the left is the earthly government. That's our politicians and our police and our army and all the people. It represents uh, everyone, all the earthly powers that protect us, all the earthly powers that provide services for us and watch over us, the police officers, and how much we appreciate the work that they do as they patrol our streets and put themselves in danger, and we pray for them. We pray for our police officers that they would keep us safe. And we appreciate our firefighters for when they're called to do their duty uh, to uh, go to a house that's burning down and, and protect that family. And, of course, our much maligned politicians. Sometimes they deserve to be maligned for what the directions they're taking us. But uh, to be thankful that we have politicians to, to guide and, and to provide that are elected to run our country. God's kingdom of the right, the other side, is a holy Christian church. And this is where God rules the body of Christ and lives and dwells in your heart through the forgiveness of sins, through the power of Christ. And it's not just the church here on earth, it's God's church in heaven. It's all the saints in heaven and on earth. Uh, we are the church and God rules in us and he guides us and he teaches us because of what Christ has done for us. And of course, the church grows when we grow in his word the church grows as we say okay lord what do you want us to know about you and so we learn in bible study about our salvation and that's why we pray in the lord's prayer thy kingdom come lord let your kingdom come and rule in me 
You know, teach me your word, teach me your ways. Help me to be a disciple, help me to be a light in my community, a Christian light to my family. Help me to make a difference in what I say and do. Thy kingdom come. And then let this kingdom come to earth and expand on earth so that your word is heard and your word is proclaimed and other people come to faith as well. Because we want everyone to come to the knowledge of the truth before they die. And so we pray for the church, we pray for our government, we pray for the two kingdoms, and though the kingdom of the government is temporary, they need our prayers too. So we consider our theme, praying for the two kingdoms. And Paul wrote to young pastor Timothy, he said, first of all then, I urge, I encourage you, that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, and for kings, for everyone in high positions, that they may lead a peaceful and quiet life, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. You know, I'm sure you have people in your, in your life that you pray for. Those, you know, family members, uh, maybe mom, dad, uh, your children, you pray for them regularly, you fall asleep at night and you think about them. Uh, when you're traveling, you think about them and you pray for them. Um, you remember them in your prayers. And Paul, Paul encouraged the apostle Timothy, the young pastor, to also include the Roman government in those prayers. Don't forget about the Roman government. Pray for your government leaders. Now, maybe young Pastor Timothy thought, do I really have to pray for the Roman government? Do you remember the Roman government? This was not, these were not good guys. Do you remember the, the, the emperors of Rome? Well, one of them was Nero. Nero was a bad guy. He was an evil man. He blamed the Christians for burning down Rome. And to get even with the Christians, he made an edict. He said the Christians are the ones that burned down Rome. Actually, it was him. But, but he blamed the Christians for burning down Rome. And, and then he said, to punish the Christians for burning down Rome, we're going to burn them. And so he went and he found the Christians, would skewer them on a pole, douse them with oil, and light them on fire for their part, playing their part in burning down Rome, you see. And then he proclaimed, see what wonderful torches my Christians make. And we're supposed to pray for a guy like that? However, when tyrants like that rule a country, we have the privilege, we also have the responsibility of praying that God would remove them. Of praying that God would provide us decent leaders honest leaders it's so easy to take the peace that we have in our country for granted and and the prosperity that we have in our country for granted our freedoms no one threatened you as you walked into church today you didn't have somebody try to arrest you because you have bibles in your homes i'm able to proclaim a message today and i'm proclaiming a message that is not really acceptable in certain areas of our political world or even certain areas of of uh, ideologies but my message is going to go out and it's going to go out on the internet later where it can be heard by everybody around the world 
We're not hiding our message and there will be no repercussions of the words that I say this day. Even though people disagree with it. So we're not punished for what we believe, teach, and confess yet. However, enemies of the Christian faith are out there. And that's exactly what they want to do. They want to silence the Word of God in the church. Did you know that more Christians have died professing the faith in Christ Jesus in the past century than in all the other centuries combined? There's Hitler, there's Stalin, Mao Zedong in China. All these and many others have caused the deaths of untold Christians throughout the world in the last hundred years. Then you have all those Christians that live in Ethiopia and, and the Muslim lands where the Muslim warlords, if they don't kill you, they will come and they'll steal your property and they'll steal your home. Yes, Christians, we need to pray. We need to pray for the governments of the world, for uh, the oppressive places of the world. We also need to pray for our own country, for our own leaders, not just nationally, but locally too, because we don't want to lose our Christian freedom. Some of the Democratic presidential candidates are suggesting that churches take a stand against the churches who take a stand against homosexuality should lose their tax-exempt status. And you know what that would do to us. We need to pray for the leaders of our country. We need to be praying for them. Now think about all the changes that we've had in America in the last 20 years in regard to the Christian voice in the debate of public opinion. Where's the Christian voice in the public opinion debate? It's been silenced. It's been hushed. The Christian voice is much maligned. Our government awards those who live together and punishes those who decide to be married, adds taxes to them. Our government supports gay marriage while not supporting traditional, traditional marriage. Listen, on Sunday, November 3rd, Pastor Max Phillips is going to be visiting our congregation from uh, the Lutheran Family Services. He's coming with an important message, and for, especially for Iowans. I, re I referenced that at the beginning of the service. Um, he will be informing us all of our Christian duty, of our civil Christian duty, regarding the abortion laws of our state. Shocking legislation is, is underway that will destroy all the pro-life legislation that we've passed throughout the years. Wipe it off the slate. Just wipe it away. And he'll spend a whole Sunday teaching us, not just in the pulpit, but also in Bible class. So I won't waste any more time talking about that, except to say we need to pray. We need to be praying. And, and, and how do we pray? Well, we don't pray for our government enough, do we? We'll pay, pray for our family, we'll pray for our friends, and I'm just as guilty as you are. But Paul encourages us to do that. He says, pray for kings, pray for all those in authority, pray for godly leadership. However, if you have poor leaders in the government, uh, unjust leaders, 
Leaders who shouldn't be there, uh, pray for them to be removed and replaced by godly leaders. That's our prayers. It's our civic Christian duty. Listen, if politicians of our country are not doing their jobs, if they're passing laws that are threatening to take away our Christian freedoms, as Christians, we have that civil duty to join other Christians in asking the Lord to remove them from office. Psalm 46 talks about this. It says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow of the, of the, of the government leaders, and he shatters the spear, and he burns the shields with fire. In the Old Testament, remember, uh, the Babylonians came and conquered Judah and destroyed the temple and destroyed Jerusalem and, of course, took all the people, most of the people in Israel, uh, in exile to Babylon. And when they were in Babylon, in a foreign country, the Lord told them, Seek peace and prosperity for the city which I have now carried you to. Seek peace and prosperity for the city I have carried you into exile. Pray the Lord for that city, because if it prospers, you will prosper too. Pray for government, for good government. Pray that the Lord blesses government, because if the Lord blesses our government, you will be blessed. You will understand the prosperity, and so will our neighbors, and we'll live peaceful lives. We don't want our government to prevent us from freely confessing our faith, freely being able to worship. We don't want them to silence the proclamation of our message. And it's only through the proclamation of this message that Jesus Christ is Savior of the world that people will be brought into the kingdom of God. And that leads us to the second part of our service, of our sermon, to pray for the kingdom of God. To pray for the message of the church. Paul says, this is good. It pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And as you're sitting in your pew this morning, you know people that, that in your lives who need to come to the knowledge of the truth. You know people who are walking in darkness, who are sitting outside the kingdom of God. And we pray that they will come to the knowledge of the truth. Because there's no other way for them to be accepted by God except through the blood of Christ. That's the only way they can be saved. Because God's word's clear. For there is no, for there is one God in our text. There is one God, one mediator between God and man. The man Christ Jesus who gave his life as a ransom for all. And in Revelation we hear about all that. In Revelation John had a vision. And in that vision he saw a large, well you and I are out there. He saw the saints of God, and we're on the new earth, we're in our new glorified bodies, standing around the throne of God from every people, from every nation, from every tribe, from every language, wearing white robes and having palm branches in their hands, like Palm Sunday, and waving them and crying out in loud voices, salvation belongs to our, to, so salvation belongs to our God who sits on, on the throne and to the Lamb. They're wearing white robes. And then the question is asked, who are these that are wearing white robes? 
And the answer is then given. These are the, they who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. This is the kingdom of God. This is His church that lives. And only the blood of the Lamb can wash them. Only the blood of the Lamb can make them clean. Salvation belongs to our God. And He gives us that blessing and holy baptism as He, as he welcomes us into His family by washing away our sins. And He gives us in holy communion His body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And He assures us of all these promises. And as Peter says in Acts chapter 4, salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And in our text, it reminds us, Jesus is that mediator. He's that go-between. He's that bridge between a holy God and an unholy people. Jesus comes and he takes the sin upon himself. And then he makes us holy so we can approach our Heavenly Father. And that's the only way. Jesus unites sinners with God by making sinners holy by his blood. Peter writes, and that's why Paul writes, there is one God, and there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the kingdom of the right, the church, the kingdom of heaven, God living in your hearts, ruling in your hearts with life and with forgiveness. By grace you are saved through faith, and even the faith that you have is a gift from God because God is the one, the Holy Spirit's the one who gave you that faith. What will it take to get the message out? What will it take to get the message to places that are dark, to, to get this message of salvation? You know, the Lord has called you to do it. The Lord has appointed you to be His voice. He's appointed us to get the work done. We're His church. Pray for the gospel. Pray for the mission, that it might spread. Pray that God's light may shine in those darkest places in the stubbornness of hearts so that the light of Christ would transform the darkness that surrounds all of us. Pray that God's word would have its way with stubborn, stiff-necked, selfish, rebellious, sinful hearts. And take the words of Paul into action. I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger and disputing. Our hands are holy. The Lord has made our hands holy, and He's given us the privilege of prayer. To pray for our church, to pray for the gospel, to pray for the government of our land. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.